Hello again to all of you out there in podcast listening land. I'm Jim. It's 50 years later. And let me tell you something. The mountain of recorded history in just the past 100 years is numbing. It really, really is. And by recorded history, I don't mean what you're learning in the school system, kids. Good morning again, my friends out there in podcast listening land. Sincerely thank you... I do for listening to this podcast 50 years later with Jim Bumgardner. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's 7.06 on this in Central Standard Time as I'm recording this morning. And today, before I get to today's topic when it comes to recorded history and what I mean by that, um, you know, this is going to be the day that's supposed to the Arctic blast front is supposed to come into my region. Well, it's just right here in Central USA. And it's funny to me this time around that people are acting like this has never happened before. I'm a little dumbfounded by that. Seriously, the shops around here and to my north, uh, where the day job is, are all talking about closing up. They're going to be closed up today. I'm like, why? The forecast is up. Yes, it's supposed to get cold. Really, really bitterly, dangerously cold. But it's only a short spurt, like two days. Then it gets back to normal winter weather. Um, and the precipitation is only expected to be snow for like two inches and that's it. So I don't know. It's interesting people's reaction this time around. People really are acting like this has never happened before. Like perhaps the first time someone saw an aeroplane. I don't know. It's weird. But uh, getting on with the show today and the topic of recorded history, yesterday's rant in regards to a warped record purchased uh, from the Walmart, which I just, I don't recommend buying their vinyl. I don't. Recap, if you missed it, my daughter, for her 13th birthday, received a record player from her mother and me, uh, along with a stack of just oddball records. And one of the things about the oddball records that I picked up was partly she has a wide and beautiful, eclectic love of music, okay? Doesn't matter. I mean, I'm telling you, she likes, you can go from Calypso and Dixieland to heavy metal and hard rock, maybe a little bit of pop in there and some disco, let alone orchestral, opera, the whole, if you name it, she'll definitely give it a listen and there's a strong possibility she'll find some appreciation in all of it. But with that said, as we were, we went record shopping yesterday and record shopping, of course, did not mean going to any of the big box retailers because of the Walmart experience and also because there is a mountain of recorded material out there in vinyl. I mean, a mountain. When you stop and think about all of the records that were produced, say, from, oh, I don't know, when Edison rolled the first wax cylinder all the way up to records being phased out in the you know early 90s, I'd say is fair, when they were really phased out. But you look at the mountain of content that was created by some incredibly talented people. The musicians, the producers, the engineers, all of it is just mind-numbing when you think about how much there is. But more importantly than just the collection and recording of the musical tunes, let alone the spoken word stuff, so we're not even going there yet, but just the music alone that's been recorded for a hundred years. You know, it's amazing. Truly, truly amazing. And no way of knowing 
or being aware of all of it. There's no way. There's no way. It's absolutely impossible. But that gets me to thinking. Because one of the things that I challenged her with in regards to record shopping was, you know, let the cover grab her. You know, that was another one of those things that makes vinyl great were those big album covers, man. They put some, most of them put a lot of thought into putting together an album cover that would get your attention on the rack. So you'd give it a shot. And that still works today. So she picked out quite a few. And uh, again, at vinyl prices at the flea markets and thrift stores, goodness gracious, you, wow, you'll, you'd fill up your iPod quickly. But I challenged her in picking up these stacks of records that as something really spoke to her uh, to be, you know, be mindful of that and then do some homework, use the technologies available for good and start digging into the history of some of these recordings and the artists and even, again, the producers and engineers and learn more about the record. And then look peripherally. What else was going on at the time when this particular record was recorded? See, I am fascinated by that because that is true history. True history. And I titled this episode Recorded History because it's literally recorded. Inside of those grooves on those vinyl discs, you find so much knowledge. Even in the silliest of songs, there's a story to that song that's more than just the story that the song is telling. And for me, that is priceless. Absolutely priceless. And can help one weed through the weeds that is history as it's taught today. Now, I don't know or... yeah, I'm, I'm, I get caught up in some of the alternative history considerations that are being put out there. Example being like the uh, the Eye of the Sahara potentially being, you know, the lost capital city of, well, excuse me, the capital city of the lost civilization of Atlantis. And maybe it is. I don't know. There's some compelling arguments there that go right in the face of accepted, agreed upon archaeological evidence I don't know, I can't say Um, never been there, haven't done an archaeological dig and preservation but I do know that the old saying of he who wins the wars writes the books is extremely true so it's hard to have enough faith to believe that narratives that have been taught over the five decades that I've been on the planet are 100% accurate because time and again we found that no, no, that didn't really happen like that. That wasn't really the case scenario or peoples. That wasn't really the motivations of various incidents. And after 2020 with the events of March of 2020 for me personally it solidified my eye-opening experience that the majority of things that we were told were simply not true. Now, whether they were just fabrications or flat-out lies was still a matter of conjecture and debate. But when you've got the opportunity to dig a little deeper and wider into 
things that were recorded in the past, the written history, the recorded history, which is what we have from the 20th century that is unlike any other before it. Because again, you can hear it and you can see it. To whereas the 1800s, the 1700s, and so on back, you don't have that luxury. You do have text, you do have some photographs from the 1800s, and then a whole lot of paintings. And of course, when it comes to those science sculptures and so on, but you 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 are limited to the artist's interpretation as far as what's being said. But again, it's one of those things from the 20th century that we have a serious opportunity to get a real snapshot of what was going on. And that's not even tiptoeing into the world of the books that were written throughout the 20th century. I'm fascinated by the older books, mainly because the authors at the time, what they were writing, how they were writing, their perspective, the things going on in their world, in those moments, say so much that you'll never learn in a history class, whether it be public school, private school, or college and so on. I find that shockingly terrible. But I also understand there's no way, again, like I said with the records, it's impossible to know everything that was recorded and released. And that was at a time when you didn't have a smartphone and computers and software that allows any and everyone to do it. When you got to the point where you could economically press a vinyl record of your creation. I mean, you really done something. I mean, there were a lot of gatekeepers, man, let alone the budgets and everything else, to get that vinyl record pressed and on the shelves. It's amazing. The ma- well, the the hugeness of it all. But it's something that I do want to encourage you, just like I'm encouraging my daughter. Now, I'm not saying run out and buy a record player, now, nah, but it's kind of fun. It's been really cool, actually. Uh, from my perspective, I never dreamed I'd purchase a record player ever again, let alone all this vinyl that's stacking up at the house. But go deeper. Go deeper. Go just, there's the challenge, you know. Go to your local flea market or thrift store if you happen to have a record player or maybe even a cassette machine laying around. Pick up one, two, three selections and dig into them. Listen to them. See how they how they feel. Because I remember the argument as CDs were coming on the scene back in the day. And people were saying, but well, the vinyl just sounds better. And they got into a, one of those snobbish debates like PC versus Mac type stuff. You know, well, the, re- the records sound better than the CDs. And blah, blah, blah. But the CDs are superior because of blah, blah. And, you know, in most of those arguments, there were valid points on both sides. But I must say, listening to these vinyl records that are analog recordings, you do get a different listening experience. You really do, regardless of your speakers. They are, I mean, it's just, it's amazing exactly how night and day a difference analog recordings and recording methods sound versus all the modern digital stuff. I'm not hating on either one, but it's different. 
But the challenge again, I say, go go pick you out a couple records or cassettes, something, or even VHS tapes for that matter. Grab them and give them a good deep once-over. Then hop on the computer and start digging into the album itself or the artist. Uh, and find those obscure ones. You know, the ones where you look at the covers and you have never heard the name of the group. The the photo of the group is laughable by today's standards, but man, they were pretty hot back in their day. You know, you got those dudes with those pompadours that are like a high-top fade. Oh, that's dated too. But you know what I mean. And it, it's just, it's fascinating to me. And there's a lot of worth and value in exploring those lessons to be learned. Plus, it's entertaining. So I challenge y'all to that. Do that, man. Go out get you a couple oddball titles out there and dive into truly recorded history and see what all you can find out. It'll be a lot more... Enter- oh, excuse me. It has the potential to be a lot more entertaining than binge-watching the XYZ series at the moment on Netflix or Amazon or any of those. It's really fascinating. Well, even in that regard, if you go back through the annals of television history and see the programs that fell through the cracks of syndication, the ones that didn't make it, and there's a ton of those out there too. And it's really neat because they give you a snapshot of, again, perceived history at the moment as well as the historic narrative that in most cases were propagated. The ideal... American life. And then you think about that with with the adjective I used there, with the ideal American life. Imagine the programming and content from the 20th century that came from the other nations around the world. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Remarkably overwhelming. And I love it. I really do. As a guy who is a storyteller by nature, to be able to observe and gain a different perspective with every single one of those turns around or rotations on the turntable. I just love it. I really do. And I encourage you to try something new. Just don't buy the new stuff from the Walmarts. Okay? <laughs> It'll leave you flat and you spend too much money. I'm going to wrap this one up tomorrow. Uh, not 100% sure if I'm going to go in this direction, but it, I want to share something that I did find yesterday that goes a along these lines when it comes to getting us that snapshot of history from the perspective of the people who were living it in the moment. And I had picked up a book uh, that I found very interesting, not just because of the book itself, it's The Making of a President, 1960. Uh, uh, Thomas White, or Wright, I do believe, is the author's name. And, of course, it's looking at the election of... John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon of 1960 from a retrospective approach in 1961. So again, I'm looking forward to reading that one, but the thing that was the real kicker and the deal maker in me bringing that thing home more so than it just being a mere buck was that there were a lot of newspaper clippings inside of the book from that period. And that to me is double gold because you're talking about those newspaper accounts that again it's 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 forever locked in ink and paper and you can get a lot of perspective from those as well that may not be a part of an official narrative or maybe it is but the main thing is it's something tangible from a long time ago that can open your eyes and ideas to different things 
So, with that said, lock it up. If it does get cold where you are, do your best to stay warm. If the, uh, the precipitation comes and locks you in, stay home. The world, as it exists in this three-dimensional, five-sense universe, will thaw out and you'll get back to normal in a day or two. So, just be careful out there. Stay warm. Get prepped as best you can with water and dog food and cat food and those necessities. Oh, and of course, some food for you and your, you and your loved ones. But uh, just be careful out there, guys. We're going to get through this thing because we've been doing it a lot. 50 years later with me, Jim Bumgarner. Have a good one, everybody.